Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And what I'm realizing is I am not taking advantage of one of the greatest tools at your table. And that is your players' imaginations. So whatever you're trying to describe, you are going to be fighting the images that are in their head. What you're going to want to do is describe just the framework. This episode is very different from what you have been listening to recently. I just did a live stream where I shared a few tips and tricks for GMs on how to captivate and keep the attention of your players. The reception that the live stream got was a big surprise. There are things that I taught in this live stream that really connected with some people. And I had a chance to listen to it and realize that just the audio could be helpful. So I'm going to take the audio from the live stream and I'm putting it here on the podcast. It's why you'll hear me refer to the slides and, you know, some visual things. But uh, you can go look at the original video on uh, the YouTube channel. I had a lot of fun putting this together. I hope it's valuable for you. If content like this is interesting to you and you'd like to hear more of this type of content, please let me know. And uh, I mentioned this. If you'd like a copy of the slide deck that I'm using during the presentation, you can just send an email to admin at thirdfloorwars.com. And I've got that email address in the show notes. Okay, sit back, relax and Listen to me opine about being a better GM. Hi, this is Kyle Rowan, and when I'm not making Vagrant Song, you will find me listening to Tabletop Talk. Well, howdy, friends and floorheads. Happy Wednesday evening. If you're watching live, we've already got a nice crowd here, which I appreciate. This has been something I've been wanting to do for a while, and I have a huge advantage here. So the reason I'm doing this is not because I consider myself by any means an expert. I the one thing I do have and the one thing that this channel has given me is an opportunity to run. I don't know, hundreds of games now, uh, hundreds of sessions over the last several years because of the actual plays we do on the channel. And the other thing that's been neat is I've had a chance to play with more than 50 different players during that time. So what I'm going to share with you is things I've learned and things that I'm working on. And my hope is, is that some of these tips will be things that ignite your brain and maybe get you thinking about how you GM. And if one of them lands for you, then I consider this a success. So I'm not standing here as some guru or expert. I'm just a guy that's had an opportunity and been really lucky to run a ton of games. The subject is getting getting the player's attention at the table and then keeping it. And these are a few things that I have learned to do and that I'm still continuing to work on in order to do that. Now, the four of these things really come down to really four categories. So there's gonna be seven tips, four categories, right? One of the things that you're going to see thematically throughout here is I'm not going to talk about what you should do. 
we're going to be focusing on how you do things. So these are going to be techniques versus content, ways to communicate at the table versus what you should communicate at the table. Two, you're going to hear another theme, which is less is more. I used to overdo it. And now I'm realizing as I pull back as a GM, I'm having a greater success. And as I'm pulling back as a GM, I'm pulling my players in, which is fantastic. Three, something that is valuable regardless of the, regardless of the genre that you're playing in. And that is create some tension. There's a couple of different things we're going to talk to about how to create that tension, but it's that tension that keeps you engaged and keeps your players engaged. Last but not least, we're going to talk about anchoring your players, which is something that's really a phrase that's relatively new for me. I've been trying to figure out what I think about this, but it's getting your players to be inside the game, in the world, in the fiction, and inside their characters. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is slowing down, slowing down and shutting up. This was something that if you go back and look at some of my older ones from several years ago versus how I run my games now, I talk too fast and I didn't shut up. How do you know if you are going too fast? The rule of thumb that I have been using and what I've been drilling into my brain is if when I'm talking, if I don't feel like I'm going way too slow, and I'm probably going too fast. I'm going to kind of give you an example. As you walk into the room, you see several things on the room. You've got a bookcase with a ton of different books on, on the case. You've got wooden chairs and the chairs are all over the place with a bunch of round tables on each of the tables. We've got place settings for all kinds of different. Look how fast I'm going. You, This is all information that's in my brain, right? And I'm just spewing it out to you because I've already got the picture in my brain. I've already got the room built out in my head and I'm just exploding it onto you. What you've got to remember is your players have to take in this information and they have to process it and they have to piece it together. So in contrast, you walk into the room. Looking around, you notice that the walls are lined with bookshelves. Each of those bookshelves has books on it of all different sizes, looking at some of the different frames. So as I'm doing this, it feels like I'm going really silly slow. But in reality, I'm giving in the set a pace that is much easier for you to take in. So practice that. Second thing, shut up. Stop talking. And this comes into play two different ways. One is the dreaded filler words, the ums and the uhs. We do it all the time. And I got some great advice from a good buddy of mine, which is every time you feel this instinct to say, um, you're doing it because your brain is needing a second to process. What's it going to say next? Where is it headed now? And we have these verbal ticks, these filler words like this and like that. And, um, you see this and, uh, yeah, you go over there. Practice using silence for that. And another advantage of doing actual plays is I get a chance to watch replays of me running things. This is something when I used to teach public speaking that it was very powerful to videotape the people that I was teaching and then have them watch it with me. You don't really understand how often you're doing. So 
the tip I'll give you is, you know, get rid of those filler words and, and replace them with silence. The next part is letting yourself get uncomfortable. This is something that I've been working on is uncomfortable silence. And it can be very, very powerful. You think that that uncomfort is going to lose your players. What you're going to find is it's going to do one of two things. By you shutting up, either your players are going to fill it in, get engaged, start participating more, or you're going to draw them in with that silence. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. You describe them coming into this room I just talked about. We describe tables, chairs, the books, the window, the desk. Our instinct when we're done describing things is to go, what are you going to do? I have found it being really powerful just to shut up when you're done and let it sit there. Give your players time to process, time to think, and they'll know because you shut up after some time, and it's going to feel really uncomfortable for you at first, but after some time, they're going to learn, oh, Craig is done. Now it's our turn. Now we are going to participate. So try that out. Try getting rid of the phrase, what are you going to do? So quick recap, shut up, slow down, and allow yourself to be uncomfortable with the pace that you're speaking, with the amount of silence that you're offering, and giving the game room to breathe. This is Sean. You may have heard of me from such movies as Brett and Sean Go to Illinois, Two Motorcycles, One Stick of Dynamite, and Gaming and BS, what kind of RPG podcast is that? After my NFTs were stolen, I decided to become a patron of Third Floor Wars. The content is great, and it costs me less than a good shot of liquor. So consider becoming a patron. It may just land you your next big role. Head over to patreon.com forward slash third floor wars. Tell Craig Sean sent you. All right, so let's move into less is more. Let's talk about description. That's a big part of what we do as GMs. We are building the world. Now, before, really not that long ago, something I'm still working on it. Let me see what uh, uh, Brian says. Uh, one potential issue I've had with silence is in online games. It's hard to tell if it's a complete thought, a pause, or a lag. Yeah, and you're right, Brian. I agree, but. And you may have noticed this as being one of the players in a, a few of my games. You start to learn the difference. So this might be weird at first for your table. And people are going to be like, what's, what's going on right now? But they'll figure it out. And because you're going to set and we're going to talk about rhythm and pace here in a second when you when you're speaking, they're going to learn kind of when the period is at the end of the sentence. They're going to learn when you're not just pausing, but when you're finished. And it's going to be something that's going to take a little bit of time, but you are right. You're right. And, and that is definitely a struggle uh, when you're online. So let's talk about the description. Now, before I felt the need as a GM to fill in every line, 
fill in every corner, fill in every color. I wanted a battle map and I wanted details on that map. And I wanted my players to always know where they were at any given time. Even when it wasn't combat, I wanted maps. And when I was and, and, and when I entered a new room, I would have multiple paragraphs and bullet points of descriptives about everything, every aspect of the room and all of the details. And sometimes I would even put up like like mind, uh, like like mood boards that showed the different scenes and what the furniture looked like and what these books in the bookcase looked like. And, you know, the exactly what the forks were. I felt this need to transfer exactly what I had here into my players' brains. And what I'm realizing is I am not taking advantage of one of the greatest tools at your table, and that is your players' imaginations. So whatever you're trying to describe, you are going to be fighting the images that are in their head. What you're going to want to do is describe just the framework and then let them run with it in their brains because they're going to do a much better job of filling in all the details than you are going to be to describe it. Also, you can lose players. If you are spending a ton of time describing things, overloading their brains, uh, for some players, it's going to cause them to shut off. It's going to cause them to pull back. So one of the ways I've been trying to do it is thinking of it as I am, I'm here just to jumpstart their imagination. Give them enough to, to, to kind of just get going. Now, one caveat, as I talk about the other three points here, is it does require you to check in with your players and be ready to kind of set the scene a little bit, right? So if I build out all of these details, I've got to be ready for my players to go, okay, I'm, I, we're in this bar. Is there any is there any bar snacks on the bar? I mean, yeah, there are, right? And I didn't describe the bar snacks. In their head, there were bar snacks on that bar. Great, there's bar snacks on the bar. And if I, it's important to me that there wasn't bar snacks on the bar, then I'll say, no, there's no bar snacks on the bar. So there's going to be a little bit of question and answer that's going to help help build the context. And, and when, when it's important for the fiction to completely line up, you're going to have to be ready to do that. But that's much better than me filling in all of the details and robbing my players the ability to paint the scene in their own heads. Next thing is one you hear in a lot of GM advices, which is engage all of the senses. I'm just going to add to that, right? So everybody tells you, you know, use all five senses. I don't agree with that, but you want to you want to have all five senses engaged throughout the entire process. And what I've been trying to do, and it's worked really well for me, is two things. One, making sure that I'm using at least two or three of the senses. So between sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch, grab three of them, right? When I'm describing something. Most importantly, and this has helped me with anchoring my players, don't lead off with the visual. Start with how things smell. Start with how something feels. Start with what they're hearing. Then what they're seeing. And I have found that that helps anchor your players into that fiction because a lot of times the touch, the sound, the feel, the, the smells especially can really invoke incredible imagery and incredible memories from your players. Another technique, this is from writing, is take advantage of simile and metaphors. When you're describing things, 
sometimes using just a similar metaphor can cover a ton of distance and can save you a lot of description and can again kick start the brain of your players. So, for example, you step outside and the morning smells fresh like newly cut grass. That's a simile. But think about what that phrase just does. How much I have set the scene and allowed the players to go, it smells like freshly cut grass that immediately evokes all kinds of information in their brain. Another thing that's powerful is a metaphor, which is we won't, now when we say something is like something, when we say something is something. So when you wake up next to the campfire, you can smell the wood, the smoke, the charcoal forming. You can hear it cracking as the wood cracks under the pressure and the heat of the fire. And you look up and the sky is a dark canvas. Devoid of any light. So instead of saying it looks like a canvas, say it is a canvas, right? So think about using simile and metaphors because that can really, again, invoke a, a strong scene and image in your players' minds because we're trying to kickstart that. The last point kind of sums things up, which is just trust your players that they're going to do a better job of describing the world than you are. Build the framework, kickstart their imagination. Check in with them when you need to, but let them run with it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you enjoying our long-form interviews with creatives on this podcast? Maybe you're craving deeper discussions about our guests or some of the RPG plays on our Twitch and YouTube channel. Well, I've got an opportunity for you. You see, Third Floor Wars now has a Patreon-only Discord server. You can join a vibrant community of like-minded enthusiasts diving deep into every episode of our RPG plays and podcast. Connect with fans, engage in spirited discussions, and unlock the behind-the-scenes insights. For just a dollar a month, access a world of tabletop gaming goodness. Connect with passionate gamers who share your love for the tabletop podcast and everything produced on the third floor. As a Patreon supporter, you also enjoy ad-free episodes of this podcast. You can immerse yourselves in captivating stories and fascinating interviews without interruptions, taking your listening experience to a whole new level. By joining the Third Floor Wars Patreon community, you not only gain exclusive access to the Patreon-only Discord server, but you also support the growth of my podcast and channels. Your contributions enable me to continue creating high-quality content that entertains, educates, and upskills tabletop enthusiasts like yourself. Maybe don't wait. 
Join the Third Floor Wars Patreon today and unlock a world of camaraderie, discussions, and knowledge. Visit patreon.com forward slash third floor wars or check the link in the show notes and come join our community. The Third Floor Wars Patreon-only Discord server awaits you. I and the other patrons can't wait to welcome you with open arms and a fistful of dice. So let's talk more about anchoring your players. This has become probably the one aspect of GMing that I've really tried to focus on. And I'm finding it to be of really great success. And one idea, and I believe I picked this up from listening to uh, Jason Cordova uh, talk about this, is this idea of concentric circles in your descriptions. So start close. So when the scene changes, start describing something very close and personal to them. And then work your way out. So the example that I've got here on the slide is start. I've got a rainy, you know, my my temptation is when they stepped outside of the cottage, I've got this huge rainforest in front of them in this torrential rain. And my first instinct is to talk about the landscape that's in front of them, all of the greenery, the tall trees and the fact they can hardly see the rising sun through the, the rain and all the clouds and just get big. I start big. I'm finding starting small can really help your players anchor themselves in that scene. So when you step outside of the cottage, you could hear the raindrops pelting against your leather armor. You look down at your feet and you see that your boots are soaked with mud as they get sucked into the soft ground that's saturated with all of the rain. Now step back a little bit farther out. Talk about what's right in front of them. What's it, what's, and I think of it as like, what's an arm's reach? So it's difficult for you to see beyond the tips of your fingers outstretched because the rain is just creating a wall of water around you. You can see just barely, barely some images that are distorted, you know, by the rain. And then if you need to go bigger, right? So talk about what they can see beyond that. So I want you to think about that when you're describing things and when you're building and building up a scene is think about anchoring your players by starting close and personal. It's a party of players. Talk about maybe what two or three of them are seeing real close to them. Then talk about maybe what they see as a group. And then if you want to go back further, describe the larger picture. You might find, though, that you save the big thing. Only if you need it, keep them close, keep them what's in front of them, where they are right now. Think about how we process information. So if you step into a new room, the first thing you're going to notice is what you smell, what you hear and what's happening to your body, your personal space. That's the first thing you're going to worry about. Then you're going to worry about what's an arm's length and what's real close to you. And once you've got all that figured out, then you're going to put your head on a swivel and start taking in the entire room, entire scene. Think about describing it the same way for your players. All right, let's talk about creating tension. A big part of creating tension for me is to do with pace and rhythm. We often think of the exciting parts. 
of our adventures and our sessions, the big fights, the arguments, the, the, you know, the discovery, the big reveal. But if everything is shocking, if everything is exciting, then nothing's exciting, nothing's shocking. I have found that the contrast between the normal and the spectacular can really make the spectacular stand out. And part of that is the rhythm that you're using, the pace in which you're talking. If I'm describing a room that I know is empty, I know there's nothing going to happen here, right? There's no clue to be found. There's no goblins hiding behind the chair. I'm going to describe this room a certain way. Slow, methodical. You see the tables in front of you. They're all set. Forks next to the knives. Large windows are bringing in that sunlight. You can feel the, the warmth of that sunlight as it's, it's passing through these huge bay windows that, that are just filling the, filling the room. You can hear the people in the far corner. They're the only two people in the room and they're just eating their lunch. They didn't even pay attention to you. They're just whispering to each other, totally engrossed in their conversation with each other. Then you stop. You stop describing things. You let them figure out the rest. They'll tell you what they're going to do. Shut up. Now, what happens if they walk into that same room and I know that these two people are going to, hey, Cody, those two people are going to attack my players. Let's describe it the exact same way. You walk into the room. You see the tables all set out. You see all the plates and the forks ready for more diners, but the huge bay windows, they let in the warmth of the sun. You can feel it on your skin as it's amplified by the huge glass of the bay windows. And in the far, far corner, there's two people eating lunch, a man and a woman. And they don't seem to even notice that you've walked into the room and you can hear their slight whispers as they talk to each other. What makes it odd is when they both stand up with steak knives in their hand and turn to face you. And you see that their eyes are ink black. But did two things there. One, you saw my pace was the same. And as you're doing that, as your players are learning this pace of how you describe things, if I do the same thing in the empty room, the mundane room, as I do in the spectacular room, they're going to be in leaning in to the world because they never know what you're about to do because you're not giving anything away. The other thing you do is the third point here on the slide, which is save the best for last. So if they're going to walk in to the cavern and it's the cavern where the dragon is, that's the last thing you're going to mention. You're going to talk about different aspects of the cavern. And then you're going to say, but what really stands out is the long neck of the sleeping black dragon in the center, right? Get that idea. A harmony about it. See, see what you say. I know uh, having a relatively simple knit or very simple crochet 
I'm just learning that project helps me pay attention to gaming more deeply. Better than notes, even better notes. Are, yeah, I, I know for a lot of us, Harmony, this is a really good point. And it's something that as a GM, you have to learn about your players. And I've had a chance to play with a lot of people. A lot of times we can mistakenly think that fidgeting or people doing things with their hands, uh, sketching and drawing will for some people, the way they process information, it will. That means that they're even more engaged. They're there with you, even if they're not making eye contact. The way different people process information uh, varies and you kind of have to learn that with your players. Uh, don't automatically assume that you've lost those players and don't be afraid to talk to them. If you think, you know, hey, just want to make sure that like you're in there and I know you're fidgeting, which doesn't bother me, but I just want to make and often they'll be very self-aware and they'll say, no, that, that that's I need to do that as I'm as I'm processing information and taking in this this brain dump from you. It helps for me to fidget. It's great, great point, Harmony. So. Describe the mundane as mundane. Describe the spectacular as mundane so that at so the players never know exactly where the craziness is going to start and then savor the reveal till the end. Not you walk into the cavern and see a dragon. Right. You walk into the cavern. I'm going to describe it the same way I described the cavern that you just came from. Oh, and by the way, there's 30 goblins pouring through the holes in the walls. So this next technique uh, I call pause, rewind, play. And I'll tell you, I use this mostly in combat, but it's not exclusive to combat. It is when you're changing the spotlight. So when I'm going from one player to another, right? So maybe we've had, I've had uh, two or three minutes where I've been focusing on just one player, one character. And now I'm going to shift that spotlight and talk and focus on another character. When I'm shifting that spotlight, stop, rewind time a little bit and press play and rebuild that context. If you watch how I run combat in some of my more recent games, you'll, you'll see me do this. And it accomplishes a few things. So let me give you an example. It's Conan's turn in the initiative, right? Oh, Sundance, uh, teacher here, Craig's so right about people processing information differently. This is something that I deal with when I'm teaching. Yeah, it, it's so it's very, very true. And, and I got to be honest uh, for both you and Harmony. This was something that was relatively new to me. And I just have been so lucky because I've got I've had an opportunity to play with so many different people. Uh, so it is it, it, it's a real big deal. So pause, rewind, play. It's Conan's initiative. Conan says, hey, I'm going to swing my sword. OK, we roll for it. Let's say that he hits. All right. So, Conan, you walk into the room. There's four bandits standing there with knives ready. It's your initiative. Swing my sword. You swing the sword, cuts through the chest of the first bandit. Merlin, you're up next. Now, Merlin, you're seeing Conan walk towards the bandits. You see him pulling his sword out and he's about to raise it up. And you see he's about to strike the bandit. So what I've done is I've pulled things back a little bit, created a sense of time for Merlin, context, this is what's happening around you. This is the moment. This is where we are. Because often when we think about initiative and combat, we think of it being sequential. Conan acts, and then he finishes. Then Merlin goes, and he finishes. Then Bilbo goes, and he finishes. But what I've found can make things more kinetic, more exciting, and really feel like 
you know, how a fight really is, because let's be honest, fights aren't like in the movies. Fights happen and they're over in, in seconds, not minutes. Right. If you can create that idea that all of this is happening at once, that all of this is is condensed. Right. So we might spend 15 minutes going through the initiative order, but only four seconds have passed in game time. This pause, rewind, play technique might help you with that. So as I go from Merlin to Bilbo, Bilbo. You snuck in through the window and as you come through the window, you can see Conan's sword coming down on the bandit, cutting the bandit in half. And you can feel the heat of the flames coming from Merlin's hands. Set the scene. I've created the context. So controls time condenses things. The other thing it will do. <laughs> this is big is. It kind of puts your players back into it, right? Because if, you know, 20 minutes have passed as you've gone through all of the initiative order. Kind of recapping a little bit to kind of bring Bilbo back into the game a little bit and kind of reset the context for Bilbo is going to help Bilbo, you know, make a decision and and it's going to make it easier for them to act. And again, mostly with combat, we can uh, you can do this with any technique. So recap what's happening. Pause and rewind, give them that context and then. You control the fiction, the time in the fiction, which is different than the play time at the table by by using this tech. So second to last, and this is encouraging your players to be in character. In our dreams as GMs, we want all of our characters to be playing as character in their character. Right. And. Understand that there's going to be some players that aren't comfortable with that, that don't want to do that. They, they need to use second person. They need to talk about what Bilbo's doing, not what I'm doing. That's fine. But, but we, want we want them to be anchored inside their characters. And there's a couple techniques that, that I've been using that has helped, helped me help my players get into character. The first one is try not using the player names. Try using character names. Conan, what are you going to do? Talk to them. Use the character names as you're playing at the table. Talk to them as character. Second piece is use second person with them. Conan, is, as you lift the sword and you come down and you slice the bandit, as the blade cuts through the chest, you can feel the resistance as it hits the bone. So you'll notice that I'm not saying what Conan, that this is what he is. This is what you're doing. This is what you're feeling. This is what you're smelling. This is what you're seeing. This helps anchor them inside of that character. The last piece is modeling it for your players. Your players each have one character. You have a world of characters. So try using first person when you're speaking as an NPC and even describing what the NPC does. So you look over and you see David standing. there. I don't understand why you're asking me this. And I reach down and I pull out my dagger and I put it towards you. Challenging you to a fight. So I, you saw me move into David, move into first person and modeling that for the players. That can help them stay in character as character. All right. Last but not least. And this kind of ties into 
really summarizing a lot of a lot of different things, but it, it really it stands on its own as well, which is let your game breathe. Don't feel the need to rush and really invest in the ordinary and the mundane and take your time. Some of the greatest moments I've had at my table has been between the action. And when I've allowed my players and, and prompted them and encouraged my players to seep in and sit in that downtime, big fight is over. They're picking up their arrows. They're cleaning their swords. Conan, as you, as you, as you take your sleeve and you start wiping the blood off your blade, is the adrenaline that that aluminum feeling in the back on your back teeth as that as that adrenaline just starts to fall away, and you start being able to take deeper, slower breaths. What's running through your head? See the prompt there, right? Getting them in there, getting them to think about that. Moments around the campfire. Don't be afraid to prompt them, saying, "As you, as the four of you sit there around the campfire." You can hear the crackling of the wood, the warmth from in contrast to the cold breeze of the outside that's up against your back. The front of you is warm as you take spoonfuls of the of the fresh stew and and put them into your mouth, warming the insides. Merlin, what do you think that you what do you think you might talk talk about? Who's going to break the silence first after this rough day? Encourage them to do a little bit more role playing, to anchor themselves in their characters. And this is going to take some time and it's going to take a little bit of table culture to do. But I'd like you to experiment with it and try it. And you're going to have to help your players, especially if this is not something that they normally do. Prompting them with questions can often do that. What are you thinking? So as you're walking towards front of this cave which one of you is really are any of you nervous or are you talking to each other what are you what are you discussing or is what's what's happened right like get them in there prompt and then give them room let them role play let them have the discussions let them describe the mundane because again it's going to create that contrast to the huge battle, to the exciting, to the tense moments that goes through it. So a couple of things. One, I'd love to know if any of this resonated with you. So if anything I said resonated with you, let me know. Uh, if you're watching this video on demand in the comments, just leave a comment because I'd be really curious if, if there were any techniques that really stood out or things that you think would work. Are there things that you have found? has helped you keep the attention at the table, bring your characters into the fiction, into the world, and, and that I've missed because I, I have a lot to learn. So if there's things that have worked for you, I'd love to hear about that as well. Last but not least, um, if you want a PDF of, the, of this stuff, just shoot me an email to admin at thirdfloorwars.com and I will shoot you the PDF of the little 10 slides I just showed you. Which, um, if you're like me, sometimes, you know, after you see a presentation, it can be really helpful. Just kind of flip through and uh, and look at things again. So, yeah, just shoot me, shoot me an email, patrons, 
uh, in the Discord. I'll post this in the Discord so everybody can grab it in the Discord or the Patreon only Discord. But anybody else, you don't have to be a patron uh, to get this. Anybody wants to shoot me an email, I'll be happy to send it out. I appreciate everybody sitting around for this. This is something that I've been trying to like figure out how I wanted to communicate it and, and how do I want to bring some of these ideas together. And I really think what ties it all together is this idea of captivating your players, getting their attention and pulling them in. And uh, I'm really glad and I love the comments coming in that it sounds like some of this really did connect with you, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you do want to support me, we do have a Patreon, thirdfloorwars.com on Patreon. Dollar a month uh, helps make all of this happen. We've got if you want to see me, if I have any, if I know anything and know what I'm doing, you want to see me GM, watch some of my videos. We've got actual plays happening all the time. We've already got well over, uh, I think just just over 100 now different episodes um, of many different games. All right, guys. Gals, friends, floorheads, it's good seeing everybody. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe to Tabletop Talk and share it with your friends. Check out our content on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and stay updated on everything coming from Third Floor. All the links are in the show notes. Take care, Floorheads. Uh, oh, hey. Are you still here? Wow. Um, well, the episode is over, but if you're bored... Why not go to Patreon.com and support the show for as little as a dollar a month? Yeah, you can just scroll down. Scroll down and, yeah, get the link. It's Patreon that makes this and all of our other content possible. Don't you want to join the other floorheads on the Patreon Discord? Anyway, thanks for sticking around. Take care. Bye.